Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, praise the Lord. Here we are again for another great Wednesday night united. We're excited about what God's doing. And I know I say that uh, probably every time that we're together, uh, but I say it because it's, it's the truth. It's how uh, I feel about it. And uh, <clears throat> we want to uh, minister tonight on this subject, the purpose of the church, the purpose of the church. Uh, I've said for uh, years that until you understand the purpose of a thing, the potential for abuse is magnified. If I understand the purpose of something, then the, the potential for it to be harmed or to be uh, hurt in some fashion is minimized. A couple of good examples is that you can open a paint can with your house key but that house key is not designed to open the paint can. And so the potential to damage it is magnified. You might get the job done, but you might harm the key. Uh, you can take a butter knife and unscrew a screw, but you're likely to ruin the knife because it can do the job Minimally, but it's not the purpose. It's not the purpose. All right? If you go into a surgery suite and your doctor's holding a baseball bat, run. <laughs> because it doesn't belong there. Well, the same is true for the purpose of the church. The Bible outlines the purpose of the church, the power of the church, the ability of the church, and what I see some today is that the purpose of the church is being moved away from. And I'll share this with you very quickly. Uh, Lily and I had yesterday what she calls a home day. All right, we were, she's out of school for uh, the week, and uh, so Pastor Michelle needed to do some things in the office, so I stayed home with Lily. And uh, she was in playing with Play-Doh, and, and I was just, uh, you know, I don't watch a lot of TV, but, but we have some Christian networks, so I wanted to see if there's anything worth watching. And uh, uh, so I came across this one man, and he was teaching on a subject that I've been looking at, and I thought, well, let me see what he has to say. And, uh, but he began and spent probably the first 10 minutes of his message uh, going over the headlines, what's going on in the news, and, and all these different things. And by the time he got ready for his message, uh, I felt like I needed to go take a shower. Because I want to make this a very plain statement. The purpose of the church is not to discuss the news. The purpose of the church is to 
act on the Word of God. All right? The, the purpose of my pulpit is not to give a news commentary. That's not it, regardless of what's going on in the world. We declare what the Word of God says. And so, the purpose of the church. So let's look here in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. And like I tell the Bible school students, this remember that this is the pastoral epistles. Uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus are the pastoral epistles. Paul wrote them to pastors. And he makes the statement in verse 15, if I tarry long that you might know how you ought to behave yourself. And he makes the statement, in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. As my favorite scripture concerning the local church in the Bible. The church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Now, this starts off and shows us the purpose of the church. The purpose of the local church is to be the pillar and the ground of the truth. The pillar is the mainstay. The pillar is the support column, the support structure. And he says the local church is the support structure what holds up the truth in a community, in a city, in a neighborhood, in the world, in the United States. And then he says it's the pillar and the ground. All right, one uh, 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 version says the stay of the truth. That word ground, it means the anchor point. All right, the anchor of the truth. Just uh, uh, take an electrical analogy for a moment. And you have a positive and a negative, and a ground, all right? Well, the ground makes it safe. If, if you're dealing with a, a, an electrical current that has no ground, the, the potential for a breakout is immense, all right? But if I'm grounded, so the Bible says that the church is the pillar, the mainstay, the, the support structure, and the ground of the truth, or the anchor of the truth. In other words, it holds up truth, and it keeps people anchored to the truth. The purpose of the local church is to keep people tied to the truth, not to inform them of what's going on in the world, not to inform them of different things, to keep them anchored to the truth. There's any number of things that may be going on in the world at any given time, in any given season, in any given environment, but the goal, the purpose, the, the, the part that the church is to play is to keep people anchored to the truth. Because Jesus said in John chapter 8 that it was believing the truth, not just, it was believing and knowing the truth that would make you free. Hallelujah. <coughs> And so when you're dealing with people in the world that are bound, people that come to church that are bound, it's vital that the church remain in its purpose. Hallelujah. And that never changes. That never changes. 
And I'll hear people, they'll say, well, there is, there is an abandonment of truth today. That's because there's an, if there's an abandonment of truth, it's because there's an abandonment of the local church. Because you, truth cannot be abandoned if you don't abandon church. That's why the Bible says that you should not forsake the assembling of yourself together. Why? Because you're coming to the pillar and the ground of the truth. And it says that when you come and you're sitting under the truth, that you'll be edified, you'll be exhorted, you'll be built up, you'll grow, you'll be safe. It's important that the church maintains its purpose. Hallelujah. In uh, Mark chapter 10, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 10, we're going to read a couple of verses here uh, that are saying the same thing, but I want you to see something. Mark chap Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8, this is when he ordained the 12, Jesus. And he said, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you've received, freely give. Now notice that. That's the purpose of the church. Heal the sick, cast out devils, freely you've received, freely give. Purpose of the church is to exercise the authority of the kingdom, to exercise the dominion of the kingdom. In uh, Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 3, verse 14. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. To preach what? The gospel of the kingdom. The authority of the kingdom. The dominion of the kingdom. And to have power, the word is authority, to have authority to heal sicknesses and cast out devils. So there again we see he ordained the twelve to go and preach the dominion of the kingdom and that he authorized them to heal the sick and cast out devils. Hallelujah. Purpose of the church. We've been authorized to exercise authority and dominion over all the power of the enemy. Over all the power of the devil. Hallelujah. Then, in uh, Luke 10... Actually, Luke 9. Let's go to Luke 9. And verse 1 and 2. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority or power, dunamis, wonder-working power, and authority over all devils. Notice, over all devils. And to cure diseases. Over all devils and to cure diseases. And sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now this charge, this, this mandate has never changed. We still have power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. The church has to stay focused on its purpose. Hallelujah. Because if you hear some people talk today, the church is in the same state the world's in. The church is in the same boat the world's in. 
we might be in the same storm, but we are far from in the same boat. We might be going through and facing some of the things the world's facing, but we are, and, and, and listen, I, 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 I want to say this. It is because Jesus is in the boat, but we have more revelation than the disciples had, and we're not having to wake Jesus up to calm the storm. We realize we've been given power and authority, and we can calm the storm ourselves. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. It's not enough that the church pray. The church has to act. The church has to be an active force. The church has to be a demonstrative force. The church has to be acting out what God said. The church has to be laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. The church has to be acting on the Word. The purpose of the church is the manifestation of the Word of God in that community. Glory be to God. In uh, Matthew 16, and verse 18, this is where we'll really get into what we want to say tonight. Jesus said, I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Well, the rock is the revealed knowledge of who Jesus is. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, upon this rock, the knowledge of who I am, the revealed knowledge, I will build my church. And notice what he said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church, and the gates of hell, one translation says, all the powers of death cannot or will not prevail against it. This is what we are a part of. An undefeatable force that is built on the revelation of who Jesus is. And Jesus himself said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. The church has to act like what it is, undefeatable, in the face of every circumstance, in the face of every situation. In the face of whatever it's facing in the world, we are undefeatable. We are, it's not that we won't face challenges, but we are undefeatable. Because we are built on the rock of the revelation knowledge of who Jesus is. And so when you have people panicking, and you have people in fear, and you have uh, 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 people uh, getting in dread, It's because they're forgetting who they are. They're forgetting what they're a part of. The church has never been defeated. The church will never be defeated. The church cannot be defeated because it's built on the rock of Jesus Christ. Cannot. Cannot be defeated. Hallelujah. And and you've got to keep that in your mind. 
that the purpose of the church is to keep the devil under its feet in a defeated position. Hallelujah. That this is important. Because I remember, I remember years ago uh, hearing this, and, and uh, I remember Brother Hagin said it, and I, and I know that, that people gave him a hard time for saying this, but he said the Bible talks uh, about keeping the enemy in a defeated position and not fighting the enemy. Hallelujah. The church is to occupy, the church is to maintain the defeat of the enemy. We are the occupying force. We are the kingdom force in the earth. We are the dominion force in the earth. Hallelujah. The church is what suppresses, represses, stops the activity of the enemy in, that, in the earth, in a city, in a neighborhood. It's the church of the living God that stops the enemy from being able to do whatever he wants to do. Whenever you've got a church that understands their purpose, their place, the power that they've been given, when they understand that, things will begin to change, not only in the lives of people that come to that church, but in that community, in that neighborhood. There will begin to be an impact. Why? Because they are walking in the purpose that they were called to walk in. Hallelujah. Over and over again through the Scripture, we won't take the time to go to all of them, but uh, over and over in the Scripture, the Bible tells us that as the Word of God increased, as the church grew, signs and wonders grew, the Word of God prevailed, things began to change in the city, in the place where they were. Why? Because of the church of the living God. The purpose of the church. Hallelujah. The church, Jesus said, is an entity that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. And that the church has been given the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This tells us some things. That first of all, what is built on revelation cannot be defeated. If you build it on revelation and the church is built on the revelation of who Jesus is, the church cannot be defeated. Notice, it does not just say will not. Notice, it says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church cannot be defeated. Cannot be defeated. And the problem is when the church begins to act like everybody else and the church begins to act like it does not have the power and the authority that it has. Then what happens is, is the church begins to take on the colors of the world and the, and the taste of the world. And the church begins to conform and the church begins to settle into this pattern. No, the church 
has always been called to be salt and light in the earth. The church has always been called to come out from among the world and be separate. Not just in morality, areas of morality, that's a given. But in areas of power, of areas of authority, of areas of taking a stand. We are the pillar and the ground of the truth. The church of the living God. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul deals with the power of the church and he shows us something in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 concerning the power of the church. And uh, he deals here with the rapture of the church. <clears throat> and he starts in verse 15. And he says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep, or those that have died, those that have went to heaven. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort or exhort one another with these words. The Roost Bible says, As for us who are living and are left behind, together with them we will be snatched away forcibly in clouds for a welcome meeting with the Lord in the lower atmosphere. And thus shall we be with the Lord, so that be encouraging one another with these words. Now, I'm going to take the time to look at this because we introduce this by saying the church is undefeatable. I hear a lot of talk today about what the devil wants to do and how the devil's doing this and the devil's doing that and the devil's doing the other. We know that the devil's behind anything that steals, kills, and destroys. We know that the devil is ultimately behind everything that we faced in 2020. Because it's stealing, killing, and destroying. But here's the thing. Even with that being said, we can never intimate, we can never uh, uh, leave this impression that somehow the church has taken a step back to the enemy in 2020. We don't take any steps back from the enemy, ever. Ever. Why? We're the force to be reckoned with, not him. The, the devil is the troublemaker. Years ago, Brother Copeland wrote a book back in the 70s, just a little, little thin book called The Troublemaker. And it was all about the devil. The devil is the troublemaker. He's not the force to be reckoned with. We are. 
The enemy is trying to defeat us. We're not trying to defeat him. This is important. Because the way you go into something determines how you're going to see yourself. Amen. You are a, and the church of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ, are a born winner. You were born a champion. You were born an overcomer. You were born with this gene in your spirit that you've already overcome. And if you ever started thinking you haven't, it's because you had to get somewhere in a religious atmosphere where they, they took that gene out of you somehow. No, you are a born overcomer. Every day I win. Every day I overcome. I have good days and better days. That's it. Why? Because that's what the Word of God declares. And so somehow, very often, what you hear is that there's this idea, this implication that somehow the church is under this withering barrage from the devil and there's nothing... Listen, according to Scripture, you and I are in the place of victory, the place of overcoming ability. We are... The enemy may throw everything he has at the church, but the church is behind the shield of faith and it is quenching every fiery dart of the wicked one. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. He has been defeated. Jesus crushed his head. Jesus took all authority away from him. Jesus took the keys of death, hell, and the grave and delivered them to the church. End of discussion. Now, it says here that there will be a time when Jesus returns in the... Now, I, let, let me clarify that. When Jesus comes in the rapture of the church, there's different words, and we're going to get into that in, in other messages. Second coming, day of the Lord, all these different things. Those are all phrases for the literal, physical return of Jesus. Where the church is concerned, we're looking for the rapture of the church. We're looking for this, as the Woost Bible says, when we are snatched away forcibly. All right? Now, in this instance, he does not physically touch the earth at the rapture or the catching away of the church. He appears in the lower atmosphere, and we're caught up along with the righteous dead to meet him in the clouds and be with him for eternity. Now, years ago, something that caught my attention was this. There's no mention in these verses of the tribulation, the Antichrist, plagues, etc. Why? It's very simple for two reasons. Number one, None of these things can happen while the church is here. Number two, we're gone before they happen. People will look at some things that's happened this year and other years and say, oh my goodness, how much worse can it get? A lot worse. A lot worse. If the restraining force of the church 
was not in the earth, you would see how bad things could really be. But because the restraining force of the church is in the earth, there are challenges that come, but the church, I'll say it unequivocally, the church will overcome every one of them. And the world at large and the community that we're a part of benefits because we took our stand. Hallelujah. In verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians 5, Notice what it says. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. The tribulation period is simply the wrath of God being poured out on rebellious people. According to Scripture, when you read through the book of Revelation, you read other references, these are disobedient, rebellious people. The wrath of God. Now, this, this is what's so important. We got into this Monday night with our Bible school students and almost didn't get away from it. When Jesus was on the cross, the Bible says they offered him vinegar mixed with gall. All right? He wouldn't drink it. The reason he wouldn't drink it was it was a mild painkiller. It was a sedative. Jesus had to suffer the full cup of the wrath of God. He had to suffer all of the punishment that was due man. All right? He, he had to suffer it in its, all of its intensity because that was the wrath of God. Well, when Jesus, the, 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 the cross was the entryway to hell for Jesus. All right? When Jesus went to hell... He suffered in hell until the terms and, and the claims of justice were satisfied. He suffered the full cup of the wrath of God. The full cup. Now, now hang on. For those that believe in Him. For the believer, there is no wrath and no fear of wrath. Because the wrath of God has been satisfied through what Jesus did. For the world that does not believe in Jesus Christ, there is still a cup of wrath to be poured out. And make no mistake, they must drink it all. Because if you don't believe in the one that drank it all, you have a part. Jesus suffered the full wrath of God. And Paul says here, notice, God has not appointed us, the church, to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is important when you break this down. God has not appointed us to wrath. You and I, the church, we have no appointment with wrath. None. We have no appointment with wrath. Why? Because we have obtained salvation. Here's the word. By, preposition by, the channel, the conduit that something happened. We have obtained salvation. 
by our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, glory. We will, notice, we will not go through the tribulation, which is the outpouring of the wrath of God. But notice, we will obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. This isn't talking about when you were born again. I, I mean, it's, it's the word. It's referring to the rapture. Jesus appearing to receive us to himself. Soteria, deliverance, rescue. When you were born again, you obtained rescue. You obtained deliverance from the wrath of God that's to come on the earth. Glory to God. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, <clears throat> Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter, as from us that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, the day of Christ, shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember not that when I was with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth or what holdeth or what restraineth that he, the man of sin, might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he that letteth or allows will allow until he be taken out of the way. Now, he mentions the day of Christ, the day of the Lord, the second coming. They're all phrases for the physical return of Jesus to the earth. Now Paul says that that day cannot come until there come a falling away first. Verse 3, except there come a falling away first. Now here's the bottom line. I've heard this taught for years that this is going to be a great apostasy, that there's going to be a great uh, exodus from the church. People are going to abandon the faith. Well, it's been taught that way, and it may have been well-intentioned, but I'm absolutely convinced from the study of Scripture that it was in error. And here's why. The same verse in the Woos Bible says, Do not begin to allow anyone to lead you astray in any way. Why? Because that day, the day of the Lord, the day of the physical return of Jesus, shall not come except the forementioned departure of the church to heaven comes first. So the falling away is not so much a departure from the faith, it is the departure of the church to heaven. Now why is that important? 
Well, we could shout because it means that we are not going to go through the wrath that's going to come on the world. That's a wonderful reason. But there's a reason to shout right now. It shows us the power of the church. Because there's two things that cannot happen until the church is gone. First of all is the second coming of Jesus to the earth to rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years. The second is, that even occurs before the second coming, the second is the revealing of the man of sin or the Antichrist. The Bible says those two events cannot happen until the church is gone. Now the one, the second coming of Jesus, is for a very good reason. Because the church company that's been faithful to Jesus is raptured into the lower atmosphere, taken into the presence of the Father, and we enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb while the world's going through the tribulation. After that period, the Bible says that we all come back with Christ and rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years. After that period of time, the Bible says that Jesus will turn to the Father and give all power and all authority back to Him. At that moment, the new city, the new Jerusalem comes down to the earth and we rule and reign with God the Father forever. So we got to go so we can come back. While we're, while we're in heaven after the rapture, we receive our rewards for faithfulness. We receive our rewards for service. We enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb. And at some point during that time frame, the Father will turn to Jesus and say, it's now time to go back and rule and reign. And we come back and we rule and reign with Him. The devil is released for a season out of the bottomless pit. He is defeated by God the Father and Christ the Son. And forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, there'll be no more devil. Hallelujah. But the second reason is during that three and a half year tribulation period, the Bible says in the book of Revelation and in the book of Daniel that the man, the Antichrist, puts himself off as a man of peace and he signs a seven year peace agreement with the nation of Israel and other nations. But it says halfway through that agreement, he breaks the agreement. When he breaks the agreement, the three and a half years of the great tribulation begin. The Bible says that that man cannot be revealed until the church is gone. That lends itself and tells us the power the church possesses. This is the most devilish man the world will ever see. And yet he cannot come on the scene till the church is gone. Why? We have power and authority over him. We know who he was. And people say, well, why would God rapture the church if we have power and authority over the Antichrist? If, if you have power and authority over him, why wouldn't he keep you here to stop him? Because of the nature of the rebellious men and women that will not turn to God. You, do you understand this? There is a time frame in the Father's mind when all things must culminate. 
And when they do, the rapture of the church will occur. Now, that does not mean the Holy Spirit's gone. And I can tell you why. Because when you read through the book of Revelation, other passages in the Word, during the tribulation period, people are getting saved. It says there were some that would not repent. But it says during the tribulation period that there are those that had the mark of God in their forehead. That those could have been lukewarm Christians, backslidden Christians that did not go in the rapture. But it's also people that get saved during the rapture. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that there are 144,000 Jewish evangelists, 12,000 men from every tribe of Israel, and they, they are anointed by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And they preach the gospel during the tribulation period, anointed by God, filled with the Holy Spirit, until their job is over and then they're raptured. Then the Bible says there are two men, the two witnesses, that are anointed by the Spirit of the living God, that are preaching repentance and preaching the, the, the power of the Word of God until they're taken away. Well, pastor, does that end the preaching? No. Then the Bible says that God dispatches angels that fly throughout the atmosphere preaching the gospel of the living God. Hallelujah. Because God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of eternal life. I go through that to show you it's not the Holy Spirit that's gone. Many have taught here that the one that is restraining is the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit's still in, in operation. It's the church. It's the church. So the Antichrist cannot be revealed until the church is caught up. Now think about that for a moment. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So when you start hearing people talk about what a mess the church is in, and the church is this, and the church is that, no, 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 my friend. No, my brother, sister. The church is the most powerful force in the earth. So powerful that the devil's number one agent cannot be revealed till we're gone. Hallelujah. Verse 6 of the same chapter. Now we know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he that letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. So Paul starts here with now you know what's withholding the Antichrist. And he states that the Antichrist cannot be revealed until the church departs. And then he says, now you know what is withholding him. The church. The church. The pronoun he refers to the Antichrist in verse 4 and verse 6. In verse 7, it refers to the church. Verse 4 says, Who opposes, exalteth himself above all that's called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, 
That's referring to the Antichrist. Verse 6, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed. That's the Antichrist. Verse 7, the mystery of iniquity already works, only he, the church, that now letteth will let until he, the church, be taken out of the way. Now some have an issue with this because it uses the term he. And they say, well, you know, we're the bride of Christ. So why would he use the term he? The, the issue is this. There are many that say the church is the bride of Christ. But think about this for a moment. And this is important. Is Jesus male or female? Male. It says we have one potentate. That's the man, Jesus Christ. The man, Jesus Christ. Well, here's the thing. The Bible calls the church the body of Christ. Jesus cannot have a male head and a female body. Hallelujah. Now think about it. I'm going to show you something from the book of Revelation in a moment. Think about it. If Jesus is a man and we're referred to as his body, how could he possibly have a male head and a female body? Well, you know, but the Bible says, let the husbands love their wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's talking about relationship. It's talking about that we are to love our wives the way that Christ loved the church. He never said Christ was married to the church. He said that we're to love our wives the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's why Paul went on the, in the verses that followed that and said, I speak a great mystery. He said, because I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church. He never said, I'm telling you that Christ is the groom and the church is the bride. He never said that. He said, I'm telling you this is how you love your wives, like Christ loved the church and gave himself for them. Now that's important. For these verses that we're reading, this is important. Our relationship to Christ is that he loves us as a man loves his bride and, will, and gave himself for us. But we are his body. That makes us a he. That makes us a he. Well, you know, Pastor, I'm, I just believe we're the bride. Well, you believe what you want. Now, you believe what you want to. But the scripture here says there's a he that restrains the Antichrist till he's taken out of the way. Well, I just showed you from the scripture that the Holy Spirit is not taken out of the way. So who's the he taken out of the way? The church. This is important where your authority is concerned because you're not just sitting around waiting on the rapture to come so you can escape, so you can get out of the world. 
You are occupying till Jesus comes in the rapture to take us out of here. And we're going to leave here with a shout, not a whimper. We're going to leave here in joy and rejoicing, having done the job that God placed us on the earth to do. Hallelujah. Now, notice Revelation 22, verse 9. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Give me a moment. I, I want to make sure I have the right uh, reference. Uh, 21, excuse me, Revelation 21, 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious, jasper stone, clear as crystal. And it goes through and talks about all of the attributes of the new city, the new Jerusalem. Now, here's the bottom line. Did the angel say, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife? And then did he or did he not show him the new city? He did. Now, there are people that, there, there are people who say, well, I don't understand that. It's, it's not that I have to understand it. It's that's what Scripture says. And Scripture says the bride, the Lamb's wife, is the new city. Now, the only reason why I'm, I'm, I'm putting it there is I look at that. That's what Scripture says. So that tells me that the church is not in Scripture referred to as the bride. We're referred to as an army. We're referred to as the body of Christ. We're referred to as the people of God. We're not referred to as a bride. This is important. Why? Because he that now lets will let until he's taken out of the way. The church is so powerful that the Antichrist cannot show up on the earth until we're gone.
That's why people will say, well, is this the wrath of God? Is this, are we in the tribulation? No, 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 we're here. So there's no tribulation. Read through the book of Revelation. There are 22 chapters in the book of Revelation. 22 chapters. And you will not find a reference to the church on the earth after chapter 4. Why? We're gone. We're gone. We're in heaven. We're around the throne. We're the redeemed. And that's why the enemy, let, hear me, that's, why, that's one of the reasons that the enemy fights the church so hard. He understands the power of the church. I'm not saying he understands all of this. What I'm saying is he understands the power of the church. If he weakens the church, if he dilutes the church, if he dumbs the church down, if he gets the church over into fear, if he gets the church over into worry, if he gets the church over thinking like the world thinks, what he does is he eliminates part of the power of the church. We're undefeatable. We're undefeatable. Cannot be defeated. That's what Jesus said. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I remember the Bible says in the book of Acts concerning uh, Peter and James. If you'll remember, it says that Herod reached out his hand, vexed certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the people, he apprehended Peter and put him in ward, put him in prison, intending to bring him out at Easter to kill him as well. And you remember the story, Peter was asleep and, and ultimately was delivered by the angel. But when you read towards the end of that chapter, it says that this same Herod that had reached forth his hand and vexed the church, that he gave a speech on a certain day and that the people said it's the voice of a God and not a man. And it said the angel of the Lord stood by him and smote him so that he died because he didn't give God the glory. But the very next verse, you know what it says? But the word of God grew mightily and prevailed. So this is important. The one that reached out his hand to vex, hurt the church, lost his life, but the church grew and prevailed. I was praying about, I'm going to close with this. I was praying one day, and I was, I was praying about, of course, the situation in the world. And I was seeking the Lord about some things. And the Lord brought two states to me, and, and I won't name them specifically. But, but there's, there are states with large populations, cities with large population, very liberal, and have been very hard on the church. They are also states that have suffered the most in this pandemic. And the Lord said to me, He said, they are persecuting me. They think they're just touching a natural entity when they touch the churches, but they are touching me and persecuting me. And he said this, 
and they will pay for it. You cannot stretch your hand out against the most powerful force in the earth ordained by God and not smart for it. You cannot. If our politicians, if the people in power were smart, they would get behind the church. They would put the church in a position of prominence instead of treating the church. When you put the church on the same level of a bar and a strip club and Walmart and Kroger, when you put the church on the same level, you are putting your finger in God's eye. He told the Apostle Paul in, in Acts chapter 9, before he was saved, he said, why are you persecuting me? Well, the Bible said Paul was persecuting the church. Jesus said he was persecuting him. The church is the body of Christ on the earth. When anyone touches the church, they're touching Jesus. When anyone touches the body of Christ, they're touching Jesus himself. And Jesus himself, who loves his church in the same way that a godly man loves his wife, will take action for his church. Hallelujah. It's the purpose of the church. We have the victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe God will stand up, everyone. Praise the Lord. Glory be to God. We are the mighty moving force. We are the blood-bought. We're the church. We're the redeemed.